You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, Keith. Johnson. From the AfterBuzz studios in Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menunos and Bing.com, and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is AfterBuzz TV's Scandal After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. If you'd like to buzz in on tonight's show, you can buzz us at 424 256 1729. That's 424 256 1729. And now, another post game wrap up show for your favorite TV show. It's After Buzz TV Scandal After Show. Hey, yo, what's up, guys? Bing is for doing, and we are here doing another exciting after show for Scandal. It is season two, episode six, Spies Like Us. We're very excited to be here as always. Um, I'm your host, Emilinus Jr., and I'm joined here with three amazing, wonderful gladiators. I don't even want to call you guys co-hosts anymore. They're gladiators. Um, next to me, we have... What's up, everybody? I'm Cornelia. Hey, gladiators. I'm Sophia Stanley. And I am Bam Erickson. And we are going to start with Scandal Pace. So Sophia's going to tell us what our Scandal Pace question is for today. The Scandal Pace question for today that has been on all of the blogs is, when did Olivia get involved in this election scandal, the defiant uh, scandal, as well as potentially... Did she have a conflict of interest and maybe she actually didn't want Fitz to be president because she knew that that meant possibly they could never be together? And I think we all remember last week, some people commented on my face when uh, Cornelia first made the discovery and she made a comment. (laughs) I was in shock over here because I didn't put two and two together. But the reason why I'm confused is because I know that Olivia obviously was here to help the president get to where he was, you know, fixing the relationship between him and Melly and all this stuff. But I was a little confused because I don't understand... I don't think she was brought in or she did this voluntarily. I think that she was actually brought somebody else take over cuz I I'm yeah, still I confused. thought she was I thought I think she was brought in because something went wrong and so she had to be a part because she was already helping um him with his presidency and he was because of her his his polls and his uh and his uh everything was um the polls he was <laughs> he was getting more popular and so therefore because she was already involved it only made sense i'm thinking is why she had to be a part of this whole thing but i don't think that it was a conflict of interest a uh, conflict of interest i just think that she loved him but i think she also wanted the best for him and that she really wanted him to be president i think maybe if our theory is correct I don't think it's a conflict of interest for her. I think she may think when Fitz finds out, he'll take it that way. Because, you know, when you're angry, you feel like someone has deceived you. You don't see all sides of the story. So maybe she'll think that he takes it that way. But for her, I don't I don't think that she'll I don't think that she was probably in the relationship thinking, oh, but you know, this is this is a conflict for me. The big part of the question is like the question says, when did she come into the situation? Was she involved with the whole possible rigging of the election and stuff or did she come after because they needed her to fix it? Well, that's a good question, because I'm wondering when did Melly also come in? So mm-hmm. Olivia and Melly, I'm kind of wondering when they were involved. Cyrus was probably there from the jump. But those two. I don't know. Melly 
she probably came at a later time, but Olivia, she could have been there from the beginning or she could have came in the middle. I think that she was there towards the end, and I think the reason being is it it ties back to what the judge said last episode where she basically clearly articulates what everyone got with the exception of Olivia. Yeah. So that line of demarcation and I think that the fact that Olivia always restates that she's the fixer and even there was a moment in time when Hollis even said, well then go fix it as if she's fixed it before. So I think that she wasn't at the table from the beginning um, and, I, and I definitely think though that it's going to if and when it comes out, it's going to definitely affect her relationship with Fitz. That mm. scandal pace. I get all flustered scandal pace trying to go off that. <laughs> um, wow, I cannot wait to see what happens with that, though. So let's start with tonight's episode, Spies Like Us. I wrote up on the board, Spies Like Us. Um, and we have this whole scandal with, uh, we had, what was his name? Um Crosby. Crosby Crosby delivered a package to the postman or the postwoman I should say and then right after he shoots himself and obviously we don't know what's going on and then we find out later through Hey it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda You never have to miss a trip ever again So download the Priceline app today your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Huck and a series of, of codes um, that was in the envelope that was sent to Olivia that is a list of spies. And Huck's on the list. That's how he knew. And then we also find out that Crosby was a case officer. And then we find out about B613, which was a program that we heard about. We never knew the full name or the full details of it. Um, but this is the program that Huck was involved in, a top secret program that was supposed to be kept under wraps and keep America um, America secure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then where it went from there, I don't think any of us were expecting because well, even before before we get into that, we have to talk about Huck and Becky. Because this happened before that, um, which I love how her name is Becky. We're not going to go there. But Huck, um, was, Huck is, get, was getting it in. He was getting it in with Becky. And, you know, I think we were all waiting to see when Huck was going to be Huck. Because you don't you know Huck isn't just going to trust some random girl. So even though she's cocaine and, you know, he's in this little group with her, he can't just trust her. And then we see that Huck pulls out his little camera. He takes a picture. So he can do the background investigation. And then he goes from there. But what I found very interesting about that is when he went to Olivia. Right. See, Olivia, I'm sorry, tweet me or whatever. Olivia is starting to get on my nerves. <laughs> because... Why would she tell Huck, well, no, she seems like a very nice person. She was going against why Huck should do the background check. And it's like, girl, what's wrong with you? And and it's funny. I actually had the same exact reaction where I was like, no, like even let him do it just because that's actually just what he does. But a lot of people online, and I didn't see it at first, basically they're saying that that actually is organically who Olivia is. Olivia takes you at face value. She doesn't prejudge. She takes, when you walk into her office, all she asks of you is that you tell her the truth. Mm. And technically, they do their homework, and so if you're lying, then you're out. But really, the basis of her interaction with you is you come to me and you present who you are and you let off all the layers and I'm going to trust you just as you are. So I think that in that moment, she wasn't Olivia the fixer. She was Olivia, his friend. And I think she was basically just kind of like, Huck, this girl likes you. Like, just be normal. I think she really wants him to be normal. And whether or not it's a character flaw 
or it's a source of her power. I think that's organically who Olivia is. I think she takes people at face value. She but hasn't on, been a friend to Hook all season. But, and on the flip side, though, when she takes in a client, she doesn't take them at face value. So she takes, she doesn't really, I agree, I, I totally agree. But realistically, she doesn't know that girl. And she knows how Huck is. So when Huck brought her that stuff, I see on one point she's like, yeah, Huck, she's a nice girl. Give her a chance. You need this in your life. But on the flip side, Olivia, you don't know her. And when a client walks into your office, you don't know them either. And you grill them up and down. So, you know, I see both sides. But I do I, too. I'm disappointed I, that she didn't allow him to do the background check because, again, that, that was that, like that lingering mm-hmm. elephant in the room. And it's going to come back to haunt her. Not Huck, her, because he asked her to do it. I completely agree. But what I was going to say to piggyback off that is, the thing is, I think maybe she's worried. I think that maybe secretly she wants Huck to do the investigation, but she's worried he's going to take it too far. Because look at how Mm. Huck has interacted with Becky before. You're taking her to people's (laughs) houses and showing, like, what you do in your free time. But she doesn't know that. Right. But weren't you... But I feel like that was even taking it too far because... I guess that's his nature, though. You can't. No, but I mean, and I think on some levels, even though I think that that was that was weird, and it's going to come back into play. I think, assuming Cocaine Girl is who she says she is, then I think that it's actually sweet and it's an endearing because as much as he can, he's actually letting her see the real him, which basically he obviously then later on says they can't be normal and they can't present their real self. Now. The caveat to that is, if Cocaine Girl is her alias, mm-hmm. then we have a problem. Um, and I think that's the duality where I think it, it comes into play in, in not only this episode, but the show, that you can't separate your work and your personal life. So Huck, by nature, is not only obviously a member of this secret you know, CIA operative group, he's also a hacker. So by nature, he's an inquisitive person. You have to let him be inquisitive. I think in essence, even just to connect to another human being. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think she did a disservice by not letting him investigate. We'll, we'll see what happens we'll with see. Becky. Um, but we saw Ooh. Sarnoff was his name. Sarnoff is this dude who is trying to get information about who these spies are, who is involved with uh, with B613. And Olivia goes to this warehouse with his... Was it a lawyer that he... Basically, Olivia's just very on it. She basically broke down and she was like, okay, cool, there's only so many attorneys in D.C. that would handle these types of cases. So basically call around and get me a meeting because basically by that process of elimination they can figure out who's actually representing this guy. She got the meeting with the attorney and she was like basically like, where's your boy? Yeah. Like, where's your dude? And, you know, the attorney opens up this up laptop. laptop. <laughs> and obviously Olivia doesn't enjoy that, talking to a laptop, but she tries to get some information out of it and then she realizes she's not going to really get anything. And Because the dude shut off the computer and shut off his feed eventually after mm-hmm. talking to her. Um, and and then she has to go back to Huck and figure out, you know, what to do. And then that's when we figure out that the people that she needs to talk to are these spies. And, and it, there's five left. Yeah, there's five left. And it was funny seeing them come to the office, just seeing how normal they look. Some of them, at least, how normal they look. And they all have their lives. One's a, a mom and one's a doctor. And, like, everybody's trying to lead these normal lives, but they can't have their normal lives anymore because of their this program that they were put in. Um the funny thing was, I remember Olivia almost freaked out when she saw Charlie walk in the room. Not Olivia. I always call you Sophia. <laughs> Sophia freaked out when she saw Charlie walk in the room because obviously Charlie's supposed to be gone um, because Huck sent him away. Sent him away or told him to go away. But obviously Huck um, called everybody back for this because we need to figure out who the leak possible leak was. Um, 
I thought it was going to be something else with Charlie, this Charlie situation. I thought it was going to take another another twist. Well, it probably will because at the end, you remember he called someone and he said, I'm back in town, town. you know, I'm trying to, you know, get a little work. Maybe he was calling Cyrus. We can get back into that at a later time, but we'll see more of him later. What you guys, how do you feel about this storyline, though? I like the storyline in the same point that I think it was necessary to kind of poke the hornet's nest one more time. I think that it's always from basically season one, episode one. We've always known that Huck was someone that you didn't mess with when you went into a dark alley. But we never knew what it was. Was he CIA? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, was he a Navy? Like, what was he? And so I think when it basically comes to play that, like, no, he's definitely a spy, which is very different than just being a part of a military black ops operation. And I think that it was necessary also, too, because, again, you saw the duality that he's so similar to all these normal-like people, but not really. The person he's really <laughs> like is Charlie, mm-hmm. and Charlie's the one that we know, and Charlie's bad. And I think it was necessary to basically have Charlie basically be like, how's this working for you? Because, you know, Olivia sits at this table and makes this grandiose speech about how, you know, they're being normal and taking back some aspect of their soul. And Charlie was like, yeah, how's that working for you? Because he's like, I know that you haven't turned the other leaf because you tortured the shit out of me. You tortured me. You know what I mean? But I think there there were some holes in it that just... I needed to go a little bit deeper, but the end of the scene made up for it for me. Yeah. But there were there were moments when I was kind of like, eh, it was a little hokey. Yeah, yeah. it was like it got that. campy at first. Yeah. One minute it was campy, but yeah. they got back on target, like Sophia said, especially with that last Huck sitting at the chair scene. That was that was pretty hardcore. So, because just from from episode one and two, I remember when you first started the show. I was saying there were some things I didn't like, but ever since then, there hasn't really been a moment where I've been watching the show and I kind of bounce out into reality. I'm like, what? And I felt like I had that moment a couple of times, especially with this storyline. But that was about it. Yeah, and it, and basically, I think what we're talking about because we're we're dancing around it is that when they all initially realized that that the leak was in the room and they all pulled their guns, something felt artificial to me. And I think the reason being is if these are spies at the level that they're at what's that gonna accomplish like they would have just stood there and they would have either all shot each other or not it didn't seem like there was any communication there was any reasoning and to me spies on that level would be a little bit more like 48 laws of power like you know what I mean they'd be a little bit more intellectual because they all know that they can kill each other so if you all know that you can kill each other you're not going to draw your gun first because people of this nature don't draw their gun and not fire which we basically will see later on in the episode yeah and they were all restless because they had been there and they were told that they were going to have a specific amount of time before you know they're let go and so they were restless and they were, you know, because they all had left this uh, this past behind, they all wanted to go back to their lives, and they were making calls and doing this. So I'm just playing devil's advocate. So the justification for that is because I think eight or 12 hours had passed by, and so they were restless. And because they are not a part of that life anymore, they were tired, they were restless. Okay, let's get to the bottom of this. Bam, now we have the guns. Who did it? Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. But... I didn't care for it, but I, in you some aspects, yeah. I, yeah. can, I can get it. 
But what about the phone calls? I understand the purpose of the phone call now, but that was bothering yeah, me. Yeah. I was like, no, why is everybody making a no, phone call? No, they want it because they needed to suss them out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, because I thought that too, because that's totally against what Olivia normally yeah. does. Because with the exception of Amanda Tanner, she always takes your phone. So you sit in that room and you know, but they needed that because they to needed see who they them. Were exactly. And that's why Quinn was writing everything down. And even I think that was necessary because you you started to see, even before we'll get into it, even before the scene with Harrison, this is the first time you start to see them act actually as associates. Oh, like th- she's actually letting Quinn do stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think she's leaving knowing, even though this is one of their most serious cases because it affects one of their own, she's like, I can leave and I can handle something else because I know that you, Quinn, can handle it. But I also felt that the job that she was given was kind of the weaker part. There was kind of the weaker job until until when she was having to, to, to you know, dictate all the dialogue from, on the phone conversation. Then it made sense. But in the beginning, I thought like, oh, this is kind of a... But it's normal hierarchy in a company, though. Yeah, when mm-hmm. you have someone new coming in, you know, she, not because she's Quinn and she has the backstory with the whole, you know, bombing thing. The new person always gets the, you know, the the crap, go yeah. file this box of uh, papers in the back. Like, the you, know, you always yeah. get the, the busy mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. So it kind of went along with her position. Yeah. But also, if you think about it, this is not a normal case that they were that the uh, Olivia and her associates were dealing with. So she c- really couldn't tell them that no phones would be allowed because look at who and what they do compared to someone who may have just witnessed a murder or something. I, I can see why in addition to in addition to them having to figure them out and try to get things but I, I think it's, I disagree with you vehemently. It's the exact opposite. If, in fact, they weren't trying to trap them into exposing themselves, they, of all people, are the people that you don't want on a phone. Think about what Huck can do on a phone. H- Huck could literally, like, send a droid to blow up the entire building. Like, let's just be real. Like, you think that Huck doesn't have that building rig? Okay, you make a good point. I'll, I'll take do, that no, Do you know what I mean? So yeah, I think, that, yeah. And, so I think and it was, two, Olivia came into it like she wants to preserve their their new lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So even on the on the other side, if you take their phone away, their new lives will know something is up because you can't take a mom of three's phone and she can't contact her family for hours because they're going to have someone looking for her or the professor, you know. Yeah. Logistically, I, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have made yeah. sense. I, I think I get what you're saying too, t- because in your mind you're saying, okay, she is Olivia Pope, and she's not up to their caliber. But at the same time, remember, Olivia is helping them, mm-hmm. so it's not like they were there against their worst. They need her help. And not only that, I think we also need to remember Crosby chose her, and that's why I think that scene with her and Huck at the door before they brought them in was so important because the minute he realized you know he was like oh this is Alyssa spies and not only was it Alyssa spies the first word that he that he was able to translate was protect them he reads the names he realizes they're spies they say why he's like oh because my name's on it he then puts the paper down he goes to his room he takes his bag and he's about to leave and he basically says to her like it's not safe for you you were in my wheelhouse I have to handle this she says no Crosby sent it to me it's in my wheelhouse so at the end of the day, that means that their case manager, their handler, thought that Olivia Pope was capable of handling this. Mm-hmm. And I think that on some levels, Olivia's, I think, starting to get her muscle back of being the fixer. Because at the end of the day, I think that it's so easy because we get caught up in all these storylines and these personal situations. Olivia is the fixer. 
And I think that when we see the scene with Harrison, that type of dedication is because she is Olivia Pope. I don't care if you're a dictator, the president of the United States of America, if you're some, what is it, B, what's the number? B613 CIA operative. Olivia Pope is who you go to when you need something fixed. And I think that we were reminded of this in this episode. And I think that it's not a coincidence that by the end of the episode, we have the associates, at least the associates of Olivia Pope and associates, the most intact that we've seen them presumably since the beginning of season one. Yeah. Um, So how did this end? It ended with Huck basically telling Olivia after, after they figured out who it was, Huck basically told Olivia, you know, stay where you are, go home, and I'm going to handle it from here because now we're really in my wheelhouse because we have to handle this situation. And, you know, <laughs> Olivia, once she sees that it's out of her control, because it wasn't that wasn't the moment for her to say, no, it's still my... No, 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 no. Huck says he has it, he has it. So Huck took over from there, and then we saw... Uh, Huck did this really passionate speech to his, his his team, basically saying, you know, I didn't think, and we find out why he gave that story, because his name was Spin, and it was because he was a spinster, he didn't think he was ever going to find anybody, and he gives his speech to these people, knowing why he had, has his nickname, saying, you know, I found somebody, I'm trying to live a normal life now, you know, don't don't shoot this guy, give him a chance, blah, blah, blah. And then we see that uh, everybody didn't get moved by the speech, because Wink shoots, <laughs> shoots the guy in the head, and then Huck sits there, because the I mean, lady in pink. The lady in pink. Huck sits there because Huck, I, I just feel bad for him. He's going through so many things, and he's trying to get on the right path, and he's trying to to get his, his life back. But I feel like Olivia, by pushing him back into it, she just messed him up completely. Even, uh, I agree. But one thing we have to point out, even if she didn't push him back into that, he would have been brought back with this situation because this situation didn't have anything to, to do, do with, with her, you know, requesting that yeah. he take care of business. So this was bound to happen anyway. I think let's uh, taking a step back. Can we talk about how Olivia, but uh, what Olivia was feeling when Huck told her that he was going to leave her? Like at that point, it was kind of like that was like her last friend completely. Mm-hmm. And again, like last week when we saw Olivia was a little vulnerable, she was once again vulnerable in this case, which show, which, which tells me she, like we said before, she knows Huck and she probably knew him longer, way longer than we think that she knew. She didn't meet him within the last two years, this election span. No, and I, She yeah, I knows that, yeah. Huck. Like there is a reason why she feels this connected to Huck. And they're in two totally different worlds. Like they live in two different worlds. But... When he told her he was going to leave, at that moment, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this relationship, it, it, it runs very deep. I think my only question is just because we saw in this episode how extreme or to what extreme Olivia will go to make sure that certain things are ended. It makes me a little nervous because I know with this show we have an issue of separating business and pleasure. Is she, I mean, I truly believe that she believes Huck is a friend, but I'm just wondering what her motives were. Is she truly upset that Huck's leaving or he was going to leave because as a friend, I don't want him to leave? Or is it because of the tools and the the skills that he has as her employee? Or maybe she was worried about his own safety. I think that Mm -hmm. it's both. But in the back of her head, she's thinking... I need you for more than just being a friend. That's what I I I see. Totally disagree with you. This is the thing with Olivia. (coughs) When Olivia is like, when her emotional senses are pushed, you're getting Olivia from an emotional perspective. That's all she was reacting. She literally was like her friend 
is going to leave her. Now, yes, does her friend have certain skills? Yeah, that's undeniable. But I think at the end of the day, just in the same way that Huck feels like he owes her, it's kind of like in certain cultures, like if you save someone's life, right? Not only do they feel like they owe you, you you owe them because you've now you've now brought this person back. It's almost like that's your child. And I think that's how Olivia feels. So at the end of the day, Olivia feels personally and emotionally responsible for Huck. And that whole concept of coming home that Huck talks about on the radio, she considers Pope and Associates his home. As a parent, she can't let her child leave. And I think that's all she was thinking about. She was thinking her child is in danger. She needs to protect him and she needs to keep him in her home because in this space, he can he can be Huck in a way that's not detrimental to him or detrimental to other people. I don't think she was thinking about it in terms of the skill sets of Pope and Associates. But he just killed somebody. What, two weeks ago? But but still, in her mind, in the confines of Pope and Associates, where it's safe, if she lets him go out into the into the normal world, she knows Huck isn't like those other people. Yeah, she Huck, knows Huck's alias or backstory could only be that he's a hacker. He can't be a professor. He's not going to go off and marry cocaine girl and have three kids. He's not going to be a doctor. I mean, even the doctor said... I basically wanted to be a doctor. I went to medical school, not because I wanted to save people and, like, take back those lives I've taken. It's because I wanted to cut people up. Like, they have demons. And I think at the end of the day, she knows that within the space of Pope and Associates, his demons are somehow contained. I completely agree to a certain extent. I, I agree that you're saying that in this space, she feels his demons are contained, but his demons aren't contained because he's going to this whole... Uh, AA group trying to contain his demons and he's still out here trying to venture into this new world with cocaine girl and he still has these tendencies to want to act on his urges to kill people so how's how's it contained? I think she I I think I don't think she thinks his demons are contained I think she doesn't know how to help him contain them okay you know okay. what I mean? Like, even when she's like, Huck, are you okay? She asks him, but she doesn't really know how to get it, like how to connect with him about his problem. You know what I mean? I think it's because she's too consumed with all the other problems that she's dealing with herself. Why can't... I feel like I feel like she can have a better conversation with him. I, she, can ha- she can talk to him. I, I had agreed with all of you up until today. And up until today, I was like, I agree, Today, I saw, again, her vulnerability. And I think that even in that last scene where she was like, oh, my God, thank you, you're here. Okay, I don't want to know what happened. I'm just glad you're here. And there's a moment that she stops because she doesn't know if by her saying that she needs him, if that's hurting or, hurting or helping. She doesn't know. Like, Huck isn't a normal human being. So she's not... Huck is probably one of the only people that she's actually timid towards. Think about it. Everyone else, she snaps and talks and directs them and tells them what to do. Yes, there's once or twice where she'll be like, Huck. But when Huck is vulnerable, watch her energy. She doesn't know what to do. She's scared. And I think she's scared because of all the people she's unsure of what to do. She doesn't know whether to yell. She doesn't know whether to rein him in or just simply say, I need you. And when she said, I need you, she didn't say Olivia Pope. She didn't say we. She said I. When you say I, you mean me in my core, not what I do, who I am. I need you. 
good point, but I still, you know. Okay, well, we're uh, at odds. Yeah, <laughs> we yeah. clearly can't agree. So, guys, let us know what you think. And you can interact with us on Twitter, obviously. We do that all the time. But also on iTunes. If you go to iTunes, um, search for Scandal After Buzz TV. And what you can do is you can subscribe to our podcast, and that will... Uh, bring the podcast to you every single Friday when it goes online, straight to your iTunes. Um, you can subscribe, leave a comment, rate five stars, please, if you don't mind. Um, and then also share with a friend other gladiators who love this show and who want to continue the conversation after the show goes off because we want to continue the conversation and we read the comments every week. We got so many more comments and ratings <laughs> this week as always, and we'll give shout outs later, but we just really appreciate it and thank you guys. I think today we were number four on the um, on the board as far as after show so we really want to thank you guys and um on itunes or app store there's a podcast app and that podcast app will put your um podcast from after buzz all into one neat little app and you can just click that it will download it if you subscribe straight into the app and all you have to do is click the podcast app and it will all be there i just got an iphone I'm really excited and i got the podcast app as soon as um i got the phone and made sure i download the scandal after buzz show so we could hear hear myself and the, the rest of my co-hosts and listen to the show on the way to my long commute to work and you can do that too because there's so many times where maybe you can can't watch us we want to listen to us in the shower on the way to work wherever you are um so make sure you do that and we can't forget our youtube fans guys on youtube we got over 160 comments i think over 60 ratings we appreciate you guys and we definitely notice and we read these comments and use that for inspiration for our scandal pace and just feedback and talk in general um so just thank you guys and please continue to support us and and talk with us and continue the conversation um after the after show's over so thanks guys um, so let's go. Oh, James and Cyrus. <laughs> so last week we talked about James being a little bit out of line with his return to the to the White House as a, the news correspondent. But I did not think he was going to take it this far to the point where he would write a story about the Hollis Doyle scandal and then use quotes from Cyrus that they had in bed talk. That is completely out of line. He is clearly trying to make a point. But the thing was, he didn't even see what I he did was wrong. I didn't he was excited about being on the front page. And then he was bragging to his husband at the morning breakfast saying, look, I'm on the front page above the fold. Yeah. I was like, what? You know what you did was wrong. I completely agree with Emil. There was a naivete because I think there was a difference. The, the last episode, he was like, I'm sticking to you. You you didn't respect me. So I'm going to literally come to your house and show you who's boss. He really did not realize because he I think he organically said he was like, oh, well, I said, you know, a White House source. And Cyrus was like, you dumb, like, I'm your White House source. Everyone knows that we're married. I think they know that you anonymous means Cyrus Bean. I think he was completely out of line. But I think the only good thing is he was out of line from a place of naivete and not from a place of maliciousness. So even though I was like, no, James, like you and I aren't friends. I think it's fortunate for him, fortunate for Cyrus, and fortunate for the entire election scandal that I think he really did it just because he was so excited to be back, you know, at the White House. He was excited about his new role, and he was excited about all that would come from that, meaning the continued exposés. And I think, and I think, if Cyrus wasn't so harsh with him when they had their little, when they had their little, uh, little scuff scuffle, mm-hmm. I don't think. I feel like James had to prove himself. Okay, so you think that you're this, this, and you think of me this way. I'm going to prove to you that I'm not just your husband or wife or how whatever roles they, 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 you know, they they call themselves. I'm going to prove to you that I am the real deal. And what? 
I was gonna say it was almost like a father son relationship where the son was like uh, the father was getting down on him saying you're not going to do anything you're worthless and then the son comes I, back and says look dad look what I did I didn't look at it that way I kind of looked at it from a from a male perspective a, a, a perspective where you know there's a successful husband and you know how sometimes the wife is always looked upon like oh you're just the you're just the wife or you know you just take care of the, the kids and the and the and you clean the house I, I kind of took it in that sense where you know James really I mean he hasn't worked he you know he gave up his career he's been at the house and so he really did feel like a wife where he's been nothing to to Cyrus but just taking care of him in the house and so he felt that what? Well, I, was say, I don't want to call him a wife. Let's call him exactly. a neglected partner. Exactly. He was a neglected exactly. partner. Exactly. He was a neglected partner. And, I mean, we can talk about the wife, then we get to Hollis and his. Yeah, and I think that was an ignorance. And I think it was an important dialogue, but I think that that was necessary. So, well, I, real quick, though, I agree with you guys, but the mistake that James was making was a mistake that you would assume he would have made and learned his lesson earlier in the relationship. So, the way, to me, the way Cyrus came at him and got upset. In a way, he had a right to because this isn't a new relationship. This isn't new pillow talk. This isn't like, you know, this isn't his first time working this type of job. He's been he's a seasoned journalist. He's not a baby journalist. It's the lack of respect. Yeah, it was the lack of respect. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not defending Cyrus. No, he's. Oh, no, 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 no. no. (laughs) But yeah, I'm like on the flip side. He to me, it was like, okay, I get it. It was from a naive place. But you didn't learn this type of lesson point. years ago. That was it was like like he this like his first gig. Like you know you that intern. You like look what I found. Yay! No, he's been doing journalism. He's been a journalist for years. That's a very good point. It's a it's a Cornelia has a great point. She's right because even if the dynamics change, which they have from when he was a journalist before, it's still you know the rules of the game. But I think the problem is it is that he's been out of the game, yeah. and I think it, it re- he is pretending like it's a first day of school, yeah. and that he is he's a little bit too geeked, mm-hmm. even in, as you can see. But we'll jump back in a minute. But that's why he was even geeked to be in the Oval Office, like. Cyrus knew exactly how to play him, you know, but I, I think it was, I think that this entire storyline was great for so many reasons. And I think it was necessary for that interaction with Hollis, because again, the manner in which Hollis walks in the room and Hollis is disrespectful in a way that is, is not only out of line, it's obvious that he basically feels like his position is untouchable. And at the end of the day, he talks to Cyrus any old way. And he deliberately chooses his words because you notice Cyrus stood up and Cyrus said, my husband. And he was like, yeah, yeah, whatever you guys call it. He's like, my husband. Like, do you not hear me? I just told you what his title is. So there's no need for you to keep with your little banter and be disrespectful. And then he sat down to try to usurp some level of control. But Hollis is basically like, whatever. And at the end, Hollis was like, all right, cool, whatever. Put your wife on a leash. Mm -hmm. The leash, but no. What, what I what I thought was interesting didn't Cyrus say the same thing to mm-hmm. Fitz mm-hmm. when Melly was mm-hmm. out of line? Mm-hmm. Good old so leash. in some in some ways. Cyrus was getting what he has dished out to which to is, other I was going to say. I was just about to say that Hollis is just a different type of bull, mm-hmm. and what Hollis is doing, he's I playing. Think he's, I, I just he's an ass. <laughs> but he's playing he's playing Cyrus's own game because what he did was by the way he was talking to him and interacting with him, Cyrus has in his mind how he was going to approach Hollis. But by the way Hollis was interacting with Cyrus, it completely warped him. You mess with my personal life calling my husband my wife. Okay, now I'm focused on this and I can't cut. Con- he knew exactly what he was doing and I hate him for it. I wrote rude. 
I just look rude. In yeah. some forms, Hollis <laughs> is the female, the male version of Melly. They're mm. both. They both kind of approach every situation as if they're untouchable. If you tell them they're not untouchable, they'll take it for a second. But then they'll find a way to flip it back on mm-hmm. you and to let you know, yeah, no, that's not the case. I am untouchable. I'm going to talk to you this way and you're going to tolerate it because I know what I'm doing. I'm smart and I know how to stick it to you when it matters. I think and I, I completely agree with everyone. And especially I think, bam, your point is is very astute. I think the only difference is. Cyrus isn't fit. (laughs) So at the end of the day, Cyrus will do whatever he needs to do to bring things back in line with not how Hollis wants them to be, but how how Cyrus wants them to be. And I think that's the difference. And so I think that's why he, you know, brings Jamie in the Oval Office and he basically, Mm -hmm. he just, you know, sheds some tears and is like, oh my God, like, this is my, my job is my life. I'm totally going to get fired. So I can't ask you because I respect you, which he's obviously said previously he does not respect him. But he had to say that in order to get him to stop. Let's talk about the line though. There is a line in there that I think sealed the deal because you can get all mushy and I can say, oh, Keneally, you know, I'm so sorry for everything. I just need you to do this for me. He said, I'm proud of you. Yeah, he's I'm oh, proud of you. When he said right. that, if you look at the interaction, yep. it was like he was finally getting the respect that he wanted all this time. That's all he wanted was respect. He said, I'm sure. proud of you. I'm finally getting the admiration and love from my husband. I'm proud of you. All right, baby, I'll stop. But the sad thing is, is he really proud of him? No. And if he's not, no. that's your husband. Take the job out of it. I, take the you being can't separate. take yeah. you being your position and James being in his position. You're not proud of your husband? I know. Can you Kenella, I think Cyrus's way of proud is a little different. He's proud of him that he kind of stood up for himself, but Cyrus also has to think of himself because of the position that he has. So he played him, he played his husband in a very I love you way. Does that make sense? He played him in a very nice I love you. He still loves him, he still cares for him, but Cyrus knew that he had to do exactly what he he knew that he had to get his um uh, uh James to shut up. Well oh, remember yeah, because Cyrus called Olivia and they were talking and Olivia said, you know, you have to protect him because Hollis Hollis is vicious. Mm-hmm. Hollis doesn't yeah. care if that's your husband. Hollis is calling him your wife. Oh no, you brought up a good point, and I miss and I forgot that because there was a moment when Cyrus didn't want to do it. Right. Cyrus was like, no, because he'll hate me. Mm-hmm. So I think, and this is this is I think why Cyrus is so amazing and complex. Cyrus doesn't want to hurt James, but at the end of the day, Cyrus has been very clear. The only thing that he needs to take care of is Fitzgerald Grant. And in essence, what that means is it means this country. So whatever he needs to do to protect this country, everything that falls in line with that, he'll, by virtue of kind of like trickle down emotions, he'll be proud of James as long as James helps him. I to take care of him and take care of the country. I, I think disagree. Th- okay. Cornelia, remember last Uh-oh. week? You remember last week when you said, where mama, mama ain't happy? happy? <laughs> Nobody's happy. And the, rea- <laughs> and the reality is, yes, his main his obligation is the, the White House and the president, but he has to take care of mama at the house. He just did. He totally did. You guys, Cyrus is slick. But no, no, because, no, 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 no. Because no, at no, the end of the day... Finish, let, me, let me finish. Ooh, I what, loved it. What he did... <laughs> what he did was make mama happy. That's why he played him. Yeah. 
So can yeah, I high five? So yes, his job, his job is the the president, but he's got to take care of Mama. And the best thing that he did was brought him to over um, to the Oval Office. Sweet talked to him, was vulnerable for a second. Oh yeah, he totally. Oh, and remember he, he said as soon as he, left. he said you always wanted to come into the Oval Office. Yeah, he had it. He knew that. Yeah, and think about it. James wants to take care of Cyrus. Mm-hmm. He feels like he hasn't been able to because he thought that taking care of him that next extension was a baby and by not getting a baby he was like well then what's my role so basically Cyrus allowed him to take care of him which is really what James wants to do and now the balance of power is back online and they can move forward that was a great moment guys yeah (laughs) (laughs) Um, now let's uh, go to David and Abby this 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 hot mess of a relationship. I mean, actually, it hasn't been that bad because Abby has found whatever she has found uh, a nice little cut buddy in David, and it seemed like it's been getting a little beyond that where she may have been falling in love because we saw um, or falling in like. I don't want to go into too detail with that, um, but we saw Olivia, which this is going to cut into mm-hmm. Olivia and Edison a little bit. Yeah. Olivia. Uh, went on a date with Edison, the second date, mm-hmm. and she didn't let him come inside. And it was funny. It was funny because he said this. She said this is the second date, but he was saying, you know, we uh, we've been together. We said I live like, with we you. We lived together. I, I watched together. you press your hair. Oh. Now, if you don't know what that means for a woman of color to allow a man to watch you press your hair, that means our relationship was set in stone. Stop laughing. You know, it's no, true. it's important. This is an important line. No, no, you no. Don't let there's certain things you don't let your man see unless you know he's there to stay. You don't let him Why see you think if I'm you laughing? sleep with a scarf on your head. You don't let him see you wash or curl or style press mm. your hair. That right there to me that that's what I that what that is what I needed to hear to see how deep their relationship really was. Indeed, I was yeah. like, oh, indeed. No, I mean, I totally I love that moment. Yeah. I don't love them together, but I love that moment, <laughs> and I could. T- now my my question you, is for you guys. Okay. My question is: so she didn't invite him inside. She said it was a second date, and we see they had history. So do you think? I mean, because my my reasoning is that it was because she wanted to, to spy on David and Abby. Do you think that her intention was that she really didn't want to invite him inside because it was a second date, or was she just trying to get to the computer? To no, listen? I think it was. I think it was really just that she's she's not there yet. Yeah. Like that's just not her thinking. Because even again, like you can see the difference between even when they're walking on the sidewalk, like they're bantering, but still, like the the speed in which we're, they're walking is a little bit too fast. The fact that they're walking so fast and and she she doesn't lean on him, she doesn't hold his arm, all those things still says that they're just doing that banter, but it's not that emotion and so that's why even she can say that corny line like oh it's our second date and and that's why you can see that he's like no girl like are you are you <laughs> kidding me like he was basically saying i i know you like i know you in the biblical sense i know you in every sense and i think that's why we all love the the line with the hair pressing. <laughs> it's great but we'll get back to yeah. we'll get back to their relationship in a minute so let's get back to david and abby which is what i was leading to so she was listening on the computer to david and abby and they were talking about the hollis doyle scandal for a minute but then we saw that their relationship was getting closer because he was offering her a drawer and, you know, that's when Olivia shut the computer off. But it was an important moment because this show that... Uh, but this is the same thing. All these relationships in this show keeps happening. Business and pleasure are mixing so again, deeply. again, and I've said this before, DC. because they, not only is it D.C., we're not talking about normal people who work like a nine to four. Their job, it's their life. That's why it's like normal's overrated. Like, we're all a little bit weird. Yeah. So where else are you supposed to meet someone 
other than at work, number one. Number two, you can't talk about your job. If you're not part of the inner circle, what are you supposed to do? How was your day, honey? It was great. What did you do today? I can't tell you because you don't have top secret security clearance. Mm -hmm. Like, do you mean that that you're not going to be able to build a level of trust? So ironically, David and Abby are the most are very honest with one another. She knows that he was investigating them. She told you to mean they're they're in essence until there was a made up secret, there were no secrets. Right. And okay, so we're gonna have to tie this all in yeah. together. Yeah. We're gonna have to bring Harrison in. So Harrison, with the astute nature that he has and he he figured this out from the <laughs> beginning. First of all Bravo oh to Columbus gosh. during this episode because yeah. we have been saying this even from last season. We have been waiting, waiting. I said this all the time last season. Like, why isn't Harrison getting more? Like, what is his role? Because we don't see anything. And finally, not only did he get like his his role and his purpose in this Olivia Pope and Associates, but they took it to another level. Like, this was his episode where we really got to see not just you know the fast talking investigative or uh, Harrison. We actually saw him like take control and be a gladiator. We saw him be a true gladiator. And I was, Sophia cried. Like, it was it was amazing what he did in this episode. But before, Harrison was the one who went up to Olivia. And said, and said you know. It's getting weird. It's getting weird. Like, what's going on? What's he said, on? you have. You're in your office all the time. Um, you're always in office by yourself. And then he broke down. Molotov, bro- mistress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then he said that, you know. Abby, Huck being Huck. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then he revealed what was going on with Abby. Well, Abby and David. And he's yeah. aware of it all. And then Olivia. See, the thing is, Olivia, we saw, you know, Stephen was who she was close with last season. And she still hasn't found that person who she's really ready to open up to in Olivia Pope and Associates. And so... Harrison is trying to push himself in there, but he's doing a different approach than Abby. Abby was doing it in more of a... I have a right to know. I have a right, more of a bitch way. And she was saying, you know, I have a right to know, you know, I'm part of the team. You're not telling me anything. Give me what I need to know. He did it. He did it perfectly. He said, "You know, when I was when um when I was down in jail, you was out. You were with me for hours. I'm not your employee. I'm your gladiator. Um, we're family." Well, no. The thing was, he said, "He said, tell me what you need, and I will do it." And yeah, she yeah, kept focusing on let, the but job. Let, let, let's back up for that because I think this is really important. So many people have said this, and I think that. Olivia Pope, people are always pulling at her. Mm -hmm. And they're always saying, I need, I need, I need. So I think that for Harrison to say to her, what do you need? And when she tried to be Olivia and tried to deflect, he again said, what do you need? Whatever you need, no matter what, I will do it. I owe you. No questions asked. Right? And then, go ahead. And then he basically, and then he has to remind her It was the three lines he said. He said, I'm not your job. I'm your family. I'm your gladiator. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when we all kind of teared up. I mean, yeah. I teared up. I didn't cry, but I teared up a little bit. Because that that line was so, I'm not your job. I'm your family. I'm your gladiator. And we forget, like you just said, they spend their time there all the time. So, it, it, of course, that's your family. I bet all the gladiators all around the world just went in. <laughs> like, 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 I'm your family. Like, And I think in Olivia's mind, it clicked. Like, you need to, she, she has a hard time separating. This is your family. Olivia, you don't really have anybody else. You don't open up to anybody. You don't call anybody. She has Cyrus now again, but it's still not the same type of relationship. These people, you spend your time with them all the time, and you constantly see them as your employees, and you see their skills. And every once in a while, you'll open up and break them down. He's your family. He's not just an employee. He's not. And even if he were just your employee or just your family, you need people. Mm. You need help. 
Everybody needs help in some way. You cannot fix things, do stuff on your own all the time. So when he said that, like you said, it kind of clicked when she, when he said that to her. But I think it clicked on a, on, a, on a different level too. Like you're right. I do need you. I need your help. Tearing up, bro. No, no, but it's the truth. And I think that even I think that the line when he says I'm I'm a gladiator, he also then says to her, he was like. So give me my orders. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's what I need. So if you basically, again, you brought me into this fold. So, like, regardless, just like family, you can't get rid of me. Like, Mm -hmm. we're in this together. So you need to tell me what to do so I can do it for you. And, And the fact that he laid out everything on the table, it struck a nerve with her. And because that showed her who Harrison really, really was. Yeah. Like, she knew who Harrison was because she wouldn't have allowed him to work with her. But Harrison is a wise old owl. It was, yes. this, it was a poem back in the day. There was a wise old owl who sat on the oak. The longer he sat, the less he spoke. The less he spoke, the more he heard. Harrison is, a, he's an owl. He sits there and he, he observes. He says what he has to say. He does what he has to do. But at that right moment, he came in and he showed her you need me, and this is why, and I need you to tell me what to do. So guide and, me. And Keneally, we and we and we spoke about that uh, a couple weeks ago in regards to how Harrison is one of those kind of guys where no questions asked. He's always going to have Olivia's back. But and, one thing I will say, oh, go ahead, Sophia. Oh, and not only that though. And again, I think because I think sometimes we 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 fail to see what he's doing. Harrison has kept everyone in mm-hmm. line mm-hmm. from way back season one when when Gideon exposed to, to Quinn that he had another source. Mm-hmm. Remember, that was Harrison that was there. And Harrison was like, you need to shut this down. It was Harrison who figured out the pilot scheme, which was one of the times when like they could have potentially lost a case, which is never a good idea. Mm-hmm. It was Harrison who basically had the conversation with Quinn or Lindsay, remember, at the beginning of the season, and basically held her hand. Now we know probably in the same way that Olivia probably held his hand when he was about to go to jail. And like, me, and, and, to, uh, and to also jump on that, bringing it back to tonight's episode, he was the one who talked those uh, all six of those um, uh, spies, the spies, spies yeah. Yeah. to put their guns down. But I think the the moment though that was important was when Olivia finally realized all this. The her face, the emotions yeah. that started to come up, and she started to tear up. But then she was tearing up for two different reasons when she yeah. found out. She was tearing up because she said, oh my God, I really do have a family with these guys. But then what she had to do next against one of her family members oh. where she had to turn and give this information <laughs> against Abby and say, I'm going to tell you what you need. She was a battered woman. Is, it, is that what she said? Something to that effect. She's, or she was beat? She's, uh, she said... Um, uh, she said, Abby and David, they can't be together. I can't tell you why. And then she says, husband used to beat her. You might want to use that. Right. And now, what that... Now, I, but, okay. I'm a, little, I'm a little torn. I'm completely torn. I'm a little torn between that because she... Look at what David is trying to do and what David can potentially do. And with Abby being there... That can just that can cause a lot of problems. Even on a sorry to cut you off. Even on another note, it's not just the fact that okay, she did that she separated Abby and David. I believe that was necessary. I it was the way she did it to do such a low below. Remember, Olivia's a fixer. She took Abby out of this situation and fixed that situation. So essentially, what you did was kind of in a way open up this book that you closed you opened it back up a little bit so, I don't and not only that though and this is I think it's it's complex on a lot of levels first of all she made Abby go against her gut mm-hmm. so at the end of the day if she in essence is training them to follow their gut then 
we're getting screwed because at the end of the day, she's not telling them to follow their gut. She's actually telling them to follow her gut, right? Is she actually acting as the Olivia Pope where they need to follow over a cliff, right? Because I think that's why Harrison needed to step in because she has been acting a little off her game, right? Number two, I think she continues to underestimate David. At the end of the day, David was pacified. There were so many different routes that she could have gone to angle Abby to keep David happy. David was like, I'm cool. Like, I think Olivia Pope wears a white hat. I'm good. Right? He was moving on. It was Abby who brought this in. And it's Abby. And he primarily, to a certain extent, is only doing it because he's getting some. Because think about it. As they're researching, that's when he brings in, do you want to draw? So he's basically like, I'm over this. Like, I'm just doing this because I feel like that's our connection. And she's like, oh, well, whatever. And he was like, well, because I have this drawer and whatever. And he goes in this diatribe. He's over it. He really is over it. And I think that now... Not only has Olivia played her hand again, David is like, I can't trust this woman. Like, it's eventually going to lead back to Olivia because of all people, David is a good guy. To go after him for that, it's just beyond words because, of course, he's going to be like, why would this woman lie? Does it make sense? Like that, it's too, it's too, it's too obvious. Like it would have, I think it would have been better if they had just left it with pictures and left that doubt. But the fact that they allowed her to meet with this woman and this woman lied to her face, it's, it's going to backfire. And at first I didn't know how they were going to play that because I was like, okay, first we didn't know who the woman was at first. Mm -hmm. But then when we had the picture, I was like, how did they get that picture? And then we get the backstory. He said she fell down the stairs. And I was like, still, that's not going to play. But then he said we had an argument. She fell down the stairs. So that's where it really hit. But you're right. When he finds out or he found out that uh, the the girl that he was dating actually told Abby that he beat me or whatever, whatever stories that she came up with, then he's going to put two and two together and be like, why would she lie when I did nothing wrong? I did nothing wrong to her. We got into an argument. She fell on the stairs, but that wasn't my fault. So I don't think that David is going to go back and find out why he lied. His next mission now was, okay, well, Abby's out of the picture. Let me now go to... But it's, 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 it's the same end result. I agree with you, but it's the same end result. And I think that Olivia, how Olivia's playing her chess game, it's off. Because I think Olivia's only thinking one move, when to me, the Olivia Pope that we were introduced to season one, episode one, she thinks about all of her moves. And so at the end of the day, if she only has one move, that move is checkmate, throw you off the table, how she threw the computer on the ground, that's Olivia we know. She's still half-stepping. To do what Olivia Pope does, she can't do that. If she's going to half-step, she needs to have all of her moves moves lined up and know where the end result is, and she's not doing that. And on a softer note, back to Harrison, now what she did was she put cracks in Harrison (laughs) because Harrison knew he was the only one who saw Abby's reaction to him knowing that she was in this relationship he saw that Abby was happy he didn't ask Olivia why she had him do this but when she threw down that he she used to get beat car that to Harrison he had that look on his face like oh so now you're getting dirty it's dirty now and Harrison had he was the one who had to do this job so like Abby when Abby was now, you know, she give, she was giving Olivia the side eye. Harrison had the side eye throughout the whole episode after he was asked to do this. So now there's there's cracks in Harrison, as which well is as, bad. As well as the fact that I think that we've always seen Harrison being a fast talker, but we always saw the empathy in there. And for him to have to say to Abby, like, I think of you as a sister. I want to make mm. sure that, like, that actually was honesty. Mm-hmm. 
the reasoning was dishonest, but the emotion, so you can't turn it off. So that's why even when she looked at him, like, think about it, Abby, like, that's one of the softest moments we've seen Abby, the way that she touched his face. Because again, especially knowing the dynamic, to have a family unit, to have a male influence that loves her like that, and then to think that she's potentially going to run off in the hills with David... To then know that he's about to break that, that's why you saw him turning away where he was even upset with himself of how good he is at convincing people with his words and his empathy. You know what? At first, I was like, eh, you know, Abby's acting like a chicken there. She kind of deserves this. But you know what? Remember, when Olivia was listening to the conversation and when she heard the whole thing about David and the whole Jorah thing, that struck a nerve. Wow, Abby is happy. She's got a man. Everything is going good. Things are not going so good in the love relationship for Miss Olivia Pope. Okay, my, I, I, I'm on a different note because the thing that is two things, and Sophia mentioned it earlier, so I'm going to come to you in a minute. But the first thing is, I think the moment when we talked about Harrison giving her the side eye, but the moment when Olivia was sitting on the sofa, that was an important scene. Sitting on the sofa with Abby, not having a care in the world, not showing any type of remorse, just sitting there comfortable like a girlfriend. Like, it, it bothered me because I understand you're playing the part. You're playing the part as a friend who's as a friend who's not supposed to know anything. But she was playing it too well to the point where it seemed like she did not give up. She did not care. She was just focused on making sure that the relationship was over. Okay, now I don't have to worry about David. That's my point and why... It's kind of one of those things where sometimes when the the friends don't like to see their friends happy in a relationship, it was almost I almost kind of felt that moment like okay, Olivia is does not want Abby to be happy in the relationship. Like, and, I, and I don't even I don't on the flip side just a little bit. If it's not, I'm kind of leaning towards it not being that. I'm kind of lean, of leaning towards Olivia has tunnel vision to the effect of she knew what she had to do to get the monkey mm-hmm. off of her back yeah. in regards to you know, keeping this scandal under wraps. With that, she lost sight of this is your friend and this person looks up to you as, a, like they said, like a member of your family and you just threw her whole relationship. <clears throat> she hasn't been felt this need in her life for we don't know how long. And you basically ripped that to shreds when you didn't have to, to play it that deep. She ripped that to, shred, to shreds, brought up old bones from Abby getting beaten because this is this this isn't just her ruining the relationship saying oh girl he you know girl he sleep around no it right. was she connected the dots where your ex-husband beat you this man will probably beat you so now it's deeper than just getting rid of the relationship and, now Abby, and Abby's chose you because of that and and that's where that's why you could see that Abby was her her brain like she was frenetic because she was like you investigated us so you knew that was my history so of all of us in this room at Olivia of Pope and Associates you chose me because of that so it made her and that's why she was like but I thought you were a good guy because what she's saying to herself is in the back of her mind she knew her husband was bad so at least there you can have peace with yourself when you can't see people coming especially as a woman and in the dynamic that they are Olivia took basically away who she is but I think that why Harrison was giving her the side eye there's a part of it that they don't know the burden that Olivia carries and for a moment Harrison is feeling it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because and think about it and that's why Olivia keeps everyone at bay and says you don't need to know you don't need to know you don't need to know it's better for you it's not always better for you because it's safer physically it's safer emotionally because now Harrison has to walk around with the weight that no matter what even though you were following all orders and you were being a gladiator, you 
did this. And think about it this way. The other point I was going to make, you talked about the, the, the associates now being, I guess, in a better place now to handle the case and stuff because everybody seems more focused. But if anything, they're more focused, but everybody is in more of a effed up place now because Harrison's going to be a little off his game because he's dealing with what he knows, the Abby situation. Abby is heartbroken and dealing with all these old feelings from being beaten. You have Quinn over here who still doesn't know who she is really. And then you have Huck who's still dealing, trying to have a normal life and then he's dealing with his whole... And he's scarred by... You you see he sat at that table for the whole... Until the sun came up. So Huck now is dealing with a whole different situation. That turned Huck that that put him beyond the you know the beast mode that Huck was in. Huck is he's he's just completely scarred. So, so now this this whole group is Olivia Pope even she's uh, yeah. she's falling into Edison's arms. I'm so completely torn with uh, this whole Olivia and Abby thing. I'm so torn. I didn't probably flip flop four or five <laughs> times. One minute I'm on one side. It reminds me of a league of their own when Gina Davis uh, sold her sister out and was like, she you know she likes uh, like the high pitches, but she can't swing to it. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's totally, it's just totally. Uh, I'm torn and I'm just uh, you know I'm just flipping sides all over. But one of the things that we were, we were just talking about, Huck. Now back to why Abby's a chickenhead and why she gets on my nerves. <laughs> Abby. <laughs> Did you see how disrespectful that she was talking to Huck when oh, they were... Oh, yes. I want oh, to mention that. Yes. Abby, no, mm. no, no. She was like, um, so we're going to take orders from the killer? Slap. No. Part I of me wanted to be like, take out bitch. your gun. Yeah. Like, I think, but, but then at the same time, just for the p- sake of devil's advocacy... That's what makes Abby Abby. It's her, no, it's seriously, her she's fearless. Like, at the end of the day, she literally is like, Lindsay, Lindsay knowing either that she's either just poking her or she honestly thinks she murdered seven people. She is poking Huck knowing that he's a spy, always knowing that he's a spy. And think about it, even when the spies were coming up the elevator, she was about to go get her gun. Like, so on some levels... She's kind of gangster. And she's she's kind of gets on my nerves. No, no, but no, but I think, but I think it's just her fearless nature because I think that again, look at her backstory. She cannot show fear. It doesn't matter to who or to whom. She is literally basically going to be like, "I'm not afraid of you. Whatever I want to find out, I'm going to find out because I need to know. I almost need to know how to angle you. It's almost that whole theory of like, I need to punch first before you punch me. And I think that theoretically is Abby's personality. God. But like, yes, she most, was disrespectful. The most gangster person is always the weak. Weakest one. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. always the one. If you like, you they're get a little up. smack. They're like, ah. yeah. guys. I, I, we could talk about this for days, and we probably are going to continue to talk about this online. So make sure you continue the conversation on Twitter, iTunes, and YouTube. But let's get into some news and gossip. Wait, 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 are we going to get into Olivia and Senator? Oh, okay, oh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm very simple. I mean, I kind of, I kind of touched on it a little well, bit. Well, uh, this is my thing. I'm oh, simple, please. and I know, and it's, and it's, even though I love Olitz, this is not the reason for my comment. I actually would have preferred for him just to her to have fallen into his arms and hug him rather than to kiss him. That seemed unnatural to me. I think she needed someone. It didn't seem like she needed someone on that that intimacy level in terms of from a sexual in relationship. The state, she in the state she needed, she needed someone to care about her and not that have to be the hook. Mm-hmm. That's just for me. I would have preferred that. I don't like them two together. I think she is she's not ready and that whole in my whole issue is the whole wait 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 it's only been you know two dates and it, just leave that just leave her alone Stop two trying. dates but they had history they were living I, together he's our pressure I, I, think- I understand that they have history and he really wants to get back with her but she's just ugh, go somewhere I think he's what she needs right now she needs someone around like sometimes a woman just needs someone just to sit with or just to be around and when I saw what you know, are they going to talk about? 
anything. Like they have a lot to talk about. They've been together. They were almost. They were almost married. They yeah. can talk about anything. And Olivia, she, you know, they can talk about politics, whatever. But when. When she came at him at the door the way she did, my mind went back to the whole wood scene with Fitz and Olivia when they had that, you know, that that tense interaction. And he immediately, you know, they had that passionate moment <clears throat> to me it was kind of the same. Well, it wasn't the same, but it was similar to where one person seemed to. I don't know what I'm saying, oh, but you get, I, you, you, get, you get my I, point. The, the, the thing to remember is he said to her. Olivia, our days of mixing business and pleasure are over. Oh, so in her yeah. mind, because I remember last week or a couple weeks ago, you were saying how you didn't like how she was toying with them, playing back and forth, yeah. saying, I'm going to call you when I need you. I'm going to do this when I need you. He basically cut her off and said, no, I'm putting you in your place, Olivia, and saying business and pleasure, you can't have both. And that's what you said you wanted. So yeah. you're getting what you wanted, and now that, you say you don't want it. That is true. But also, remember, she likes when men kind of take control. And so I think by him taking control, maybe it turned wrong. Did you notice when they were on their little dates. Did you notice her hair was different? This is I completely disagree with you. He, she didn't. She wasn't turned on because he was aggressive. She was turned on because she was hurt. Yeah, she she was again realized like what she's done. Like this Abby situation is not going away. And what we the the reason I think that we're so fixated on Abby, Abby is another moral compass of Olivia Pope and Associates. And for her in her own house to do that. Number one. Number two, the fact that Harrison's aware of that. Harrison knows that Olivia is capable of everything, but when it happens in your own house, in your own family, everyone gets a little uneasy. Because then you go, well, what would Olivia do to me? If Olivia needs to do something. So I think that Olivia was carrying that full weight of basically taking love away from Abby, given the fact that she's had love taken away from her from circumstance. Mm -hmm. She just needed someone. So I think it had. And to me, he happened to be the right person at the right time. And his statement wasn't one of control. It was the exact opposite. It was I'm here for you. Like I'm a man and I'm coming to you as a man. Whatever you need, I'm going to do it for you. But I'm just letting you know, like, I'm not playing here. I'm not some little kid. I'm a man. So I'm coming. I'm just being authentic with my actions and my feelings and my intent. And he brought her wine and popcorn. Like, his whole demeanor screams old school love. Like, it screams we've been down this road before. He had a sub and and wine for him. Popcorn and wine for her. She eats that every time she's Mm -hmm. in her house. Mm -hmm. He knows her. So to him, his mindset and hers are two totally different. He's coming at her like you said, I'm a man. We've been down this road before. I'm not playing games. I want you in my life. She doesn't want that. But she needs someone Something. around. I get it. I just don't like them together. I just, I'm going to wait well, till she gets back. I was going to say on Twitter, let us know what you think on Twitter, iTunes, and YouTube, please. Because I saw on yeah. Twitter today so many people were saying they didn't want to watch the show anymore. Because, guys, don't take Can it that Can I say far. something? You know? That means Shonda is doing her job. job. It's called a roller coaster for a reason. Exactly. Yeah. So let's go to news and gossip. After Buzz TV News. Guys, I freaked out at work because... If you've been watching the news, you know, obviously the election was in the news for a long time, debates and everything. Then we had the fiscal cliff. And I know people are getting bored talking about the fiscal cliff. Then all of a sudden the media had this heyday, of this media frenzy with this General Petraeus scandal. I'm going to tell you why we're talking about this. We have General Petraeus and apparently he had an affair with his biographer who was Julia Broadwell. So we have this affair going on and the affair was revealed because Jill Kelly, is it? Yeah, Jill Kelly was getting emails from Julia because apparently Jill was walking around the base and she thought she was hot stuff. She's this Tampa based socialite or whatever. And she was getting emails. Jill has her FBI friend 
investigate to see where this email comes from. It's coming from Julia. And then that's how we find out that General Petraeus is having an affair. Now, the thing is, once the FBI investigator gets involved, the FBI investigator sends like a shirtless pic. So then that's caused a scandal with that. But then we find out that Jill is sending emails or had back and forth emails with uh, General Allen. <laughs> over 20,000 to 30,000 pages and now we find out that our very own I'm saying like she's our friend I feel like she's our friend Judy Smith whose scandal was inspired off of the real life Olivia Pope has now taken on Jill Kelly as a client let's analyze right quick like what what in the world is this really going on like they were talking about this at work and I was like what is this story like they're like yeah it feels like a real life soap opera I'm like yeah because it's so many players and then I, I even to go beyond that Every single day is a different element, a different character. Just recently, her sister is in the story now, her twin sister, because her twin sister is going through some custody battle. And apparently, General Allen and General Petraeus both uh, signed on her behalf, basically pleading for her, saying give her custody. So... Basically, why this story is amazing is that if you read, if you basically type in Petraeus and Judy Smith, (laughs) the first paragraph is all about scandal Mm -hmm. because they basically say that this sounds like a storyline from scandal. And the fact that of all people that Jill Kelly calls is Judy Smith shows why a crisis manager or fixer is necessary because a lot of people are saying that Jill Kelly in essence in this scenario is the whistleblower. Mm -hmm. So why does the whistleblower need Mm -hmm. a fixer? Well, you need a fixer when you're dealing with the director of the CIA, the former (laughs) head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and potentially confidential top secret clearance as well as the fact that this young lady, it's three steps removed, right? So you have the wife, the biographer, who's the mistress or the girlfriend, basically telling some other woman to step off and stay away from her man. And all these people are married. Do you mean? (laughs) And all these people are married. And so I think at the end of the day, it's one of those situations where when you're dealing with not only government secrets, and just like we said, the line between personal and professional is a very thin line, so we don't know who knows what and who has used any personal connections beyond their potential clearance. And even today, though, another piece of information that came out is something about she's a liaison with South Korea or something like that for you. <laughs> like, the clearance that she has and the power that she has? Well, all I'm saying is, I hope, because I don't know if you guys know, but ABC.com has What Would Judy Do? Mm-hmm. So every time after each episode, Judy Smith basically does her own separate analysis because for the most part, Part, the majority of Judy Smith's clients in the past, with the exception of Monica Lewinsky, were, we have no idea who they are. Mm-hmm. So this one we know. So in my mind, basically, if anyone wants a precursor for where scandal is going, this is the blueprint. Exactly. How she handles this, and as we can see, that's why it sounds just like a scandal storyline, because it is a scandal storyline. And I really hope since we have more episodes now that they can write this somehow without doing exactly, but somehow write this into a, a and later episode. And the funny thing is, I think that Shonda Rhimes has a crystal ball. I think it's already written. <laughs> yeah. No, seriously. <laughs> it's, it's, it's I think it's already written. Because Crazy. at the end of the day, and this is the irony of the situation, is I think we all thought this. The minute he resigned, we thought there has to be something else. Right. Human beings are the same. It doesn't matter what titles they are. It just matters on the positions that they play. Powerful people 
fall on two sides. You're either powerful and you run the straight and narrow or you don't. And the minute you don't, you leave, just like we say, then you leave cracks. You leave little fissures that people can come in and make those cracks bigger. And then what happens when you put a little crack in the dam? Mm. Eventually the water just... Mm -hmm. And therefore, obviously there was more to it why he resigned. Exactly, and we're going to find out. And I remember even yeah. Julia Broadwell's uh, father, I believe, said there's way more to come out. I'm like, well, how do you uh, know? Like, what do you know? I mean, think about it. There was 30, 20 to 30 page, uh, 20 to 20,000 to 30,000 uh, pages of emails. And, and I think the thing in those emails, though, it's important to say, they said a lot of it wasn't, um, wasn't sexual or anything. There was like a sweetheart here and there. But what were you guys talking about? At that, I mean, there's no telling what was going on because, again, in the type of positions that they have, just think, just think about scandal. Look at the conversations um, between uh, between Olivia and Fitz. They're not on the phone. I love you, baby. I love you too. I love <laughs> you, baby. True. I love yeah. you. They're having conversations. And Cyrus, and Cyrus <laughs> and James yeah. pillow yeah. talk got yeah. yeah. Pillow talk almost pillow, got James. Yeah, their pillow talk the is, compl- yeah. is completely different than just you know two lovers. I love you. I love you too, baby. <laughs> you because know? again, it's your inner circle. And think yeah. about it. And this is where it gets really complicated. She is in her circle enough that she has security clearance. That's her biographer. So he actually is somewhat allowed to talk to her. And the only other issue, and I'd love if anyone is into this type of stuff on Twitter, you know, talk to me. In other countries, and I'm almost positive in England, he wouldn't have actually been allowed to have a biographer and write the book. The fact that he still, up until last week, was the actual director of the CIA and was writing a biography. One is already out. Oh, one of them is already out. Like, that to me is potentially putting us in jeopardy. And that's why potentially other countries have like a 10-year lag time between when you resign or you retire to allow those things not to be relevant military information. But I think that's all that... That's all we can talk about. But uh, obviously, hopefully, we'll have updates every week now with this this freaking real-life scandal. Yeah, this is our new real-life scandal. We (laughs) love it. uh, We want to give some shout-outs, though, now. And Tony Goldwyn will be on uh, the talk next week on CBS. Make sure you tune in. Oh, and um, uh, I think at least Kerry Washington and Sean Shonda Rhimes will be on Oprah's next yes. chapter on December 2nd. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. And it's, I can't even, I'm going to tweet the Oprah line from season one, which is amazing. But yeah, <laughs> so that's also something to look forward to. Okay. And so now we are going to do shout outs. Hopefully, I think um, Martin, our engineer in the booth, has um, an actual screenshot. If not, I'm going to read them as quickly as I possibly can. So we have for iTunes, we have TRC23, Sherry Whitfield, BP Spellman Lady, Colleen Vaughn, God D64. Sir Ichabald, E. Bragg, review 12345678901230. And for Twitter gladiators, we have Lennon English, Marcy underscore Hill, Pain Free Management, Carl, Carol Atkins, Nikki 617, Scandal underscore Moments, DC Homegrown, Goody 64, Fall Baby 55, Boat Girl, Paradise Acres, Harriano, S zero N E E A Drim M M Miss Oh Miss USA N G B Monica Calia U M U Sarah and for YouTube we have Alex Jam R Alex Bella Booms Blue Rayin Caribbean Princess D Chai Nigerian Class Act zero seven Coach Your Dreams Hawaii Five It's Midnight There Jackie Sick A O Six some of these I don't know. <laughs> J-C-Z-O-C-T, K-Con Group, Love and Eater, Lucy T. Ware, Miss Unada, Natural Dancer 2010, Rachi Baby 72, Taryn 65, The Right Stuff 14, Violet Macbeth, Zanita 93, 
And again, Gladiators, the main reason that we do these shout-outs is because we absolutely love you. We love you on iTunes. We love you on Twitter. We love you on YouTube. We listen to your comments. It helps make our show better. And more importantly, we love your theories. Like, as you can tell... So many of your theories play into how we think about the show. I read comments and I actually watch the show again because I miss things. And more importantly, it gives us something to talk about in Scandal Pace. Some of us were aware of the whole Judy Smith-Petraeus connection because you guys told us on Twitter. So again, please continue on iTunes. Rate, comment, subscribe, and more importantly, tell a friend. Same thing Twitter and YouTube because we're talking to you, obviously, like we're talking to you now. For some of you, you'll see in about an hour, we'll jump on Twitter. Thanks for you guys stayed up to watch and, and you know, just also all of the comments we read. And I don't obviously we read the comments because sometimes we comment back, mm-hmm. and so we all respond differently. We all have different opinions, and there's people from you know small uh, uh, countries and uh, countries and towns who you know say they like watching us. So that's why we really give the shout outs. I know some people are like, oh, well, you know, don't give the shout outs, but we are. We we are uh, we are we are here for you. Yeah, and it's our way to show our appreciation. And we appreciate yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we thank you guys. Um, so, gladiators, we're going to go into some quick predictions. <sighs> Man, and now your AfterBuzz TV predictions. Um, so we see that Melly and Prez are coming back next week for what looks like is going to be an explosive oh two, two weeks because next Scandal's week off next, next week. Thursday is thank- boys Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving Thanksgiving is not my favorite holiday we won't oh, go into details there favorite. anyways we'll talk about that offline <laughs> and my birthday's on Saturday oh yeah oh, happy early birthday to Camellia make, make sure you tweet comments. her make sure you tweet her um, but we saw it looks like it's going to be an explosive episode they're going to be celebrating um, Fitz's birthday birthday Day, I have a problem with TH uh, birthday, uh, and it looks like uh, we we're definitely in for a treat. I cannot wait to see what's going to happen. Especially, what do you think? What was that scream we heard in the trailer? And to give the illusion that maybe he was shot, but I don't. Oh, think, I don't think they took it that far. It sounded like a woman scream, though. Anybody? I don't. I don't know about that. This is the only thing is um, one of our um, scandal gladiators sent me a promo earlier this week. It basically aired during Revenge on Sunday, and mm-hmm. the Twitterverse, the blogosphere, was going crazy. And what I noticed for some of you, I'm not going to tell you because I don't want to spoil it, but. Go and and I'll tweet the promo. If you look at minute twenty four, <laughs> minute sorry, second twenty four and second thirty two, you're gonna see something. Uh-oh. That's all I'm gonna say. Uh oh, after so, Buzz TV yeah. exclusive. So second twenty four <laughs> and second thirty two. Uh, okay, so make sure you go to uh, Sophia's Twitter account. I'm gonna have to go. Are you gonna tweet it tonight yeah, or tomorrow? Yeah, I'll tweet it and, I'll, and then everyone will retweet it. Okay, yeah. so she's gonna tweet it tonight. And um, can you tweet it again tomorrow too? Yeah. Just in case. Okay, so make sure you click that link and go to twenty four. Uh, second 24 and I'll put it in the tweet okay at tw- 24 and 32 oh I'm excited now I'm excited now but my, guys my only pr- my only prediction is now we're gonna get back to Melly and Olivia bumping heads bumping heads my prediction I feel bad about Huck him sitting at that table you know what it means to sit at the table while people are <clears throat> cleaning up a dead body around you and you sit in that same spot until the sun comes up Huck is damaged in a way that we, we're not even aware and I think is going to reveal itself very soon I'm going to piggyback on that but I'm actually going to back it up a bit I think that he's damaged because he didn't see the shot coming mm. ah. so he's talking and he mm. even said he was like I'm not going to tell you her name because we're not supposed to expose our weaknesses he exposed his weaknesses and didn't see it coming that shot could have as quickly come for him mm. as it did for the old man that's true so I think I think his whole sense of he, he realizes he can't do both he can't he can't do both he can't stay in limbo 
Two sides. Well, that's all the time we have, guys. But please, like Sophia said, let's continue the conversation online. As always, we're so happy to be here. And this is the highlight of our week by far. Uh, but tell us where you can find you. You can find me at Bam Erickson on any social media. <laughs> Twitter, <laughs> I, Instagram, you know. Uh, Twitter, Sophia Stanley. Twitter, Cornelia. Um, and at Emilio E. Jr. and ChasingLA.com. And we won't see you guys next week. But I hope you have a wonderful, great Thanksgiving. Eat a lot of mac and cheese. That's my favorite, just in case you were wondering. Probably weren't. But uh, <laughs> have a great Thanksgiving, guys. And we will see you in two weeks, I guess. Yeah. We'll miss you. But we, we'll still be online. So make sure you talk to us. And, uh, yeah, we're out. Love you guys. Bye, Gladiators. Executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff. We would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 